Hello, and welcome to the Euro What, episode number 28 for the week of October 22nd, 2018. I'm Mike McComb, and I'm joined today by Ben Smith. Hey, Ben. Hey, Mike. And our special guest, Andy Denner. Hey, Andy. Hey, Mike. We are a bunch of Americans trying to make sense of the Eurovision Song Contest, and this week we'll be talking about the reality show Aftermarket for the people who participate at Eurovision. Andy, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk about this uh, exciting world. Excellent. Uh, so have you had much experience with Eurovision? I'm, for, uh, for listeners who may not know who you are, you run the website Reality Blurred, which focuses on pretty much everything in American reality television. I, I, I don't know a topic that you haven't covered uh, at some point. But yeah, is Eurovision in your wheelhouse at all? Um, I mean, it's definitely, I think, adjacent, um, in part because there's so much American reality TV. I don't cover international stuff as much just because I don't have as easy access to it, and there's I'm overwhelmed as it is. Mm-hmm. I'm certainly mm-hmm. aware of Eurovision, and I think first became aware of it on Twitter and just watching it trend in the, you know, a weekend or maybe even for longer than that, right? Like a week or so every spring, and kind of wondering what was going on, and maybe I. I it turns out that like I've actually known some of the songs. Like I think on last week's episode, you played a song from '96, and I was like, "Oh, I know that song," and I had no idea that it was a Eurovision song. Oh yeah. So it's <laughs> mm-hmm. it's certainly entered into my life. Um, and then maybe like three or four or five years ago, after my husband and I started dating, he watched a lot, and um, so I started watching and paying attention more. And yeah, and he knows a lot about it and talks a lot about it. And then um, actually, when I mentioned that I was coming on this podcast, he's like, "Oh, that's." One of the reasons why I know a lot about Eurovision because I listened to that podcast. So really, oh dang! Circle, and he should probably actually be your guest today, um, not me because he has more knowledge. But I will do my best to to talk about reality TV stuff and give some context to what we're chatting about. Oh, that's so awesome! Well, mm-hmm. yeah, thank you again for joining us. Hope hopefully this won't be too baffling or confusing yeah. or no, <laughs> no, no, no. Well, <laughs> too in the weeds. Just thinking about the the wide world of reality shows in America. I mean, there's a bunch of them. I think particularly on the competitive side, especially with music, where like the format is from like Endemol, which is like the Belgian slash Dutch just like powerhouse of yes. this stuff. And it's mostly, and I think you know most of our shows, especially those big singing shows, have been adaptations. Um, sometimes successful, you know, shifting from European formats and sometimes complete destruction of them and or fumbling of them. And also sometimes just transformation in, in ways that I think we'll probably get into today, especially talking about the voice. Oh, yeah. Before we dive into the main topic, uh, we just wanted to kind of check in on a couple of news items that popped in, uh, particularly the country count uh, as we get ready uh, for that sort of final-ish list of participants for next year's competition. We are at 39. This time it's without an asterisk, but there has been some changing that has happened. Uh, So right after we recorded our last episode, Armenia confirmed. So that took it up to 40. Just like clockwork, like the second the podcast drops, news happens. Yeah. Chances are by the time this uh, episode drops, uh, we will be up to maybe 42. But (laughs) yeah, so we're at 39 right now because Bulgaria has dropped out due to budget reasons. In fairness, I mean, looking at their entries the last few years when they sort of re-entered the competition after a brief break, they were going hard, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which that costs money. And if you don't have the money to do that, it makes sense to just take a year off. So hopefully we will see them back in 2020. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people were 
kind of disappointed about it because the news was just kind of dribbling out on Twitter. And then the Bulgarian broadcasters, like Eurovision Twitter account was just like, all right, peace out. And like, <laughs> like turned it into like their avatar into like a black and white photo. I'm not sure if they like fully deleted the account. I haven't checked recently, but yeah, it was just like, oh no, this is, this is for real. And well, and I think that the reason that you had like the, the reaction that you did is because they've been very, very good the last few years. Like mm-hmm. it, like I personally did not care for this year's entry, but it, it didn't do as well as people were saying it could, but I, I get why they maybe want to take a year off. You can also kind of tell from this year's entry the way that it was finally presented that they probably were running out of money because it was. Oh just, yeah, good like, point. Yeah, like all, all of a sudden, like the oh, we just have one big riser. That's our that's our staging makes so much more sense. Yeah, and just like not even good camera choices. It was kind of a mess. So let's see, we've got Bulgaria out, Armenia in, and uh, Australia was already in our count from last time, and they have announced that they will be doing a national final for their selection, uh, which will be the first time that they've done that since they've joined the contest. So uh, we'll, we'll get into that in greater detail in a later episode, but... Yeah, we, um, we have like a whole new semifinal to follow. Yeah, yeah. 6 a.m. Eastern time, presuming that they start at like normal prime time in Australia. <laughs> so, oh man, I hope that they're on Online player is like SVT where I can watch it at a normal hour. Yeah. Uh, one thing I do like to to see though is that they've said that the the language should be English or Aboriginal. I would love to see an Aboriginal entry. That is going to be exciting. One thing that I hope that they don't lose in moving to this format is the wonderful diversity they have brought to the contest. Mm-hmm. I think they're probably going to be conscious of that, like because they're they're the country that brings the diversity <laughs> most of the time, which is it's, it's them. And then uh, in terms of the asterisk, uh, we said last time that Ukraine might not be able to participate because their broadcaster is kind of shut down at the moment. <laughs> but yeah, they announced that they're going to be doing a national final in February. So <laughs> they're probably working out the details. More to come. So still waiting on Russia, San Marino and Moldova to say whether or not they're going to play along for next year's show. 39 right now, possibly 42. We'll see what happens. We'll see. Anything can happen in the last weeks. Get your deposit slips in, everybody. Why don't we change gears and talk about what we're actually here to talk about, which is the relationship between reality singing competitions and Eurovision? It's a really layered relationship. Yes. I think that'd be a good way of describing it. Where I, oh, Go ahead, Ben. I, I was about to say, I had like a very weird science metaphor where it made me think of the water cycle. Mm-hmm. Where the water comes down from the clouds and then moisture in the air eventually becomes the rain, which becomes the water, which becomes the rain. And things just sort of go back and forth between these systems. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and actually, a number of the participants who uh, live in this system have done water-based, rain-based entries at Eurovision. So I think that ends up working out. But It's all connected. Yes. Um, a lot of countries are using reality shows as some part of their selection mechanism. And that's kind of where this topic came about. Uh, Malta is using the X Factor uh, as their selection format for picking their artists this year, uh, which has been kind of controversial in Malta. They've been using the Malta ESC format where it's just like a national final with 16 or 20, or I think one year they had maybe 24 songs. Everybody sings, the audience Regardless, it's far too many entries for a final. Yeah, and of varying quality. Yes, um, I I was rooting hard for the Malta Groceries Online jingle this year. And it's the first time that they've done like an X Factor in Malta. So uh, there's a lot riding on this series. Georgia is going to be using the pop idol format to pick both their artists and their song. 
Um, Israel uh, has been using Rising Star as their format for selecting their artists the last several years. And I think that's probably one of the reasons why this might be a bigger topic this year. Because one of the things that happens with Eurovision is whichever song wins the previous year kind of sets the tone for how things are going to shake out in terms of like, oh, we're going to try to emulate this genre or a duo win this year. So we're going to like send lots of duets since Rising Star was the format used to select the artist. I have a feeling we're going to be seeing a lot more reality competition type stuff to be part of the selection process in the coming year for good or for ill. So it's just like the reality stars on like way back to real world where you have a a certain type of person and then next season you have more people who are just like that person apply because they just saw themselves on TV and now you want to keep that cycle going. Other formats that have been used that a US audience would recognize are various like This Country's Got Talent. Um, Ugh. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we just got done with America's Got Talent season. We finally put that segment away. Yeah, it's it's just going to be there to haunt us forever. And and what's really interesting with this particular example is there have been contestants from the American version who have gone on to do Eurovision stuff. Speaking of Bulgaria, like one of the people of Bulgaria's group this year was on talent last summer. Uh, summer 2017. So it's just a rich tapestry of just cross-pollinating talent. And then The Voice has been, I don't have the hard numbers for this, but I feel like The Voice has been maybe one of the primary feeder systems the last few years. Uh, A lot of countries have, have been using that format. A lot of alumni, and not necessarily winners of the show, but I think uh, contestants who have been on the show have been part of the Eurovision pool of contestants, particularly when it comes to internal selections. Um, so Eurovision kind of works as like a de facto tournament of champions, which I think is kind of fun. And I'm kind of curious why something like that hasn't really materialized in the U.S. market. I mean, I think we did send Kelly Clarkson to like World Idol back in the, oh, yeah. the early aughts. And that didn't really go anywhere because we never talk about it. Yeah, and then that aired, aired in the U.S. too, but it I think it aired over, if I remember correctly, winter break or sometime in, in the, during the holidays and just kind of fizzled out really quickly and gave the world more evidence that America only cares about itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I think I think Kelly came in second on that one. I think Denmark ended up winning the whole thing. So, but yeah, like. I, I don't know. Part of that kind of felt like what Fox does when they feel threatened and by other reality formats. And I don't know. I won't get into my grand unifying theory of how they used Idol to uh, neuter X Factor before they realized that they were going to be the ones who needed to get X Factor to work in the U.S. But it's that same sort of thing where it it seemed like World Idol was kind of a way to make sure that a Eurovision, like if if there was going to be anything Eurovisiony happening in the U.S. that Fox wanted to own that, and if it didn't work, they wanted to make sure that they were the ones who made sure it didn't work. And that, the irony is that part of also what killed X Factor was NBC jumping in with its version of The Voice mm-hmm. and like sort of getting ahead of X Factor and saturating the market so much that there wasn't any you know, desire for more at that point. You've got Eurovision sort of functioning as like this tournament of champions thing, but then there's also kind of the Eurovision aftermarket where X Factor UK is kind of a destination for a number of contestants like Brendan Murray, who represented Ireland in uh, 2017. He is currently on 
X Factor UK. Like as we record this, he uh, just got through to the second week of live shows. Yep, and and Mike, you sent me a video of him on the live show, and I didn't even need to click on it to see that. Okay, well, the title says Ariana Grande's Break Free. Uh, There's no way that he's singing this at tempo. No, no, it is not at tempo, and it has completely removed all the exuberance of the original track. And Mm -hmm. it's kind of a meditation on the song that he sang at Eurovision, where it's just like, it's very kind of a bell-like sound, but... For like just no minutes, joy or it. anything yeah. to latch onto. And there was no like giant hot air balloon in the back. So I had no idea what I was watching. I mean, so- <laughs> in fairness, that didn't work for him last time. So good on him for recognizing that pattern. Good luck, Brendan Murray. I, Great. I, yeah, we're, yeah. <laughs> we wish we're you all well. depending on yeah. you. Yeah. So, and Cesar, who was the operatic vampire guy from Romania back in 2013, uh, he was also on this season of X Factor and got kind of about halfway through the audition process before he was eventually cut. You've got Eurovision alumni going on to X Factor UK. A number of them do end up becoming judges for reality singing shows like Russia and Ukraine uh, in particular uh, tend to have their alumni becoming either guest judges for their selection processes or becoming chairs on The Voice or other singing competitions. I know Russia has like a whole bunch of formats that have not made their way to the US yet. And then you also have alumni that are like returning to Eurovision. I was doing some research last night on this, and I think 2004 might have been the last time that there wasn't somebody on the roster of competitors who had not previously competed at Eurovision. And that's just like main singing acts. Like, I mean, there could be people who have been songwriters or backing singers and like not getting into that level of detail, but it's just kind of like a televised singing competition, industrial complex i don't know i don't know any other way of describing that don't forget too there was a glennis grace from eurovision oh yeah 2005 we we cannot forget yeah got talent this summer right so but i mean america's got talent is basically casting itself through international talent shows now so maybe it's a surprise that i think she might have been the first from Eurovision that I know of who is on Got Talent, but I'm maybe surprised that it hasn't been more people. Yeah, like that that has been in, in, interesting to watch because like, all of a sudden we were having to talk about America's Got Talent on on a regular basis in our little corner of the world. <laughs> yeah, and I guess there's uh, this winter there's going to be the World's Got Talent type spinoff series and keeping an eye on that one just because I would not be shocked at all if there are alumni that are part of that audition process i i have i still have no idea how the show actually works but uh yeah we're definitely keeping an eye on the wikipedia page to see if there's any uh, any links that we should be following it seems like over in europe they've got this whole system set up for like cross-pollination and oh you've been on this show and then you can go over to that show and all of that but that doesn't seem to happen in the u.s and that seems weird to me like it, it seems like there should be just as much, if not maybe more, cross-pollination. And I, I, I don't even really know where to start with that. I, I kind of I wonder if one place to think where about it in terms of starting the conversation is how American reality contestants are treated, mm-hmm. which on most of these shows are as very disposable. Mm. And on some of the shows, it's almost um, an afterthought. And I think the voice is the number one thing there. Like the contestants certainly are kind of the focus, but... The judges are actually what this show is about. That's who matters in terms of the editing and everything else. And so you basically are just kind of churning through a bunch of sometimes pretty great singers, sometimes people who have 
decent careers before afterwards, but you're using them to make a show instead of like setting them up for future success. Yeah, I would totally agree that that American reality television tends to be much more cutthroat and much more disposable, at least as far as its contestants go. And I think part of that is contractual because um, American Idol doesn't want someone showing up on, you know, an ABC show the next summer or they don't want to use somebody. I feel like that's relaxed a little bit in the last couple of years. So I wonder if we'll start seeing more of it as networks are kind of more willing to let people out of their contracts or you know, like MTV is basically now starting to hoover up contestants to stock the challenge, um, which I realize is outside of singing shows. But, you know, it, that's it's been rare that Big Brother contestants show up anywhere else. So if we start mm-hmm. doing that with competition shows, maybe we start doing it with, with singing shows also. The real world road rules challenge stuff is interesting because there's no longer road rules. Road rules is, is no longer feeding into that system and yet it continues. Yeah, and it's even like they started feeding people from Are You the One and that wasn't enough. So then it was like, let's bring other American contestants. Let's bring contestants from UK shows just because they need an endless supply of people to um, get drunk and punch who, each other. Yeah, who are, who are willing to, to get drunk, punch each other and do weird challenges for, for their living. Yeah, for like some a, a few dollars. I'd be curious what like Clay Aiken on the challenge would be like. I mean, that would be amazing. I mean, I would pay money to watch mm-hmm. that, honestly. And I haven't watched the challenge in you know a full season in years. But yeah, although at what point do we just get Battle of the Network Stars again, but just with reality people? Yeah. Well, they had Battle of the Network Stars. I think it was summer like- twenty seventeen, and I don't recall there being that many reality contestants like it was it was mostly scripted personalities so yeah i'm i'm kind of curious just like how strict those contracts are you tend to see the crossovers more within specific show ecosystems like you now have the bachelor and the bachelorette feeding right. into one another and mm-hmm. also the whole bachelor in paradise bachelor in paradise until that one guy like murdered people uh, are you confusing that with a VH1 show that was canceled because someone actually murdered people? Yeah, or, yeah. there are so many of them, but yes, yeah. like there was. There, I feel like Bachelor in Paradise had its own like. No, that was a sex scandal. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, that was a sexual assault thing. where they where they filmed people who were too drunk to consent and then had to shut down production. Yeah. That was last summer, but yeah. that show still survived that, so I'm sure it would survive a murder also. There's a book Bachelor Nation that came out this March, I think. Yep. Like that is a well-oiled machine. It really is. And just as a quick tangent, we had Battle of the Network Stars last summer sort of rebooted. I don't think it's coming back, or at least I haven't heard anything. And I feel like um, Bravo It was super that. boring. Like, yeah, the, yeah. <laughs> yeah Bar- Bravo did Battle of the Network reality stars back in 2005 with Ryan Starr and Nikki McKibben. Mm. So that was like the, the singing competition entrance. And also Richard Hatch and Sue Hawk and Amarosa and Austin from Project Runway all kinds of people yeah i think that that would have that would be the only way that it would end up working is if it were just like reality specific but yeah as as you were saying where the ecosystems are just kind of self-contained and like cbs is kind of its own ecosystem with all the crossover between like survivor and amazing race and big brother hmm yeah and it's it's interesting too like how hesitant like cbs was willing for a while to take people from its worst show and put them in its second 
best show, like Big Brother to Amazing Race, but they weren't willing to put people on Survivor or vice. And like no one from Survivor has then gone to Big Brother. So it's like there's kind of a stratified system even within those closed systems um, about where it makes sense for someone to go and how we use them to draw people from the other shows to our, our show. One thing that I want to go back to is that I think might be a reason that we don't see crossover between shows as much or where we when we do see it, it's very delayed is that the end goal of the, the reality competition show for something like an American Idol or a voice is you are getting a talent contract. You are getting a recording contract. They probably want to be very limited in that so that you can't just go from network to network racking those up. Because what if you win? Yeah, exactly. And what happens if, you know, do you do then, like, does the network, are they still able to profit off of you in the way that they would otherwise? Exactly. Yeah. Are record contracts still part of the prize package? Like, I know that that was a big deal with, like, the first season of American Idol and the first season of uh, US X Factor. I thought with The Voice, like, you get, like, 100000 And, like, is, is there any sort of business incentive along with that? It's a great question. I actually don't even remember what the prize on The Voice is anymore. Um, I'm just trying to, like, see if I can find something. I don't, it's, yeah, like, what do you go on to do? What does your, it's funny that I don't even know that. And I'm quick with the Googling. Uh, so... Voice winners receive $100,000 in a record deal with Universal Music Group for winning the competition. So there is still a record contract aligned with that. And that makes sense because with the U.S. music industry, a lot of people are going their own way and going independent. But like if you want to get that record contract, like that seems to be a way to get it. Yeah. Hmm. And it's also Universal, obviously, NBC, Universal. So yep. we're keeping them in family, um, which American Idol didn't really do. It had to go to its production partners. So... But that way they can keep profiting. Keep them in the NBC family of products. Exactly. (laughs) So I guess cross-pollination probably isn't going to be that much of a factor, but... No, but it is making me wonder, okay, that explains why Pentatonix is releasing like a fifth Christmas album. (laughs) Because why not? Are you saying that because that's how they got well-known was at the holidays and... No, they they got well-known from when NBC had the sing-off for for acapella groups. Right, that was all, but it was always in December. Well, yeah, that was that always was in like, December, and also holiday albums are huge sellers. Gotcha. I, I guess I just don't see what the ecosystem is for like the U.S. aftermarket for our reality contestants. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I'm I'm scrolling through the list of American Idol winners, and it's taking a lot of scrolling to find one I recognize. <laughs> so I have a theory about this, mm-hmm. which relates just to American television, and this is something where I know less about television elsewhere but back when american idol came out in 2002 besides being the first of its kind and something that was very different and shocking and surprising television was also much different back then that was when network television could still draw massive audiences Mm -hmm. and just in these last 20 years um, networks and outlets have fragmented so much that you just have these micro audiences compared to what you used to have. And that's enough to fund a show and put it on the air. But I wonder if it's sort of that lack of scale that even though The Voice is doing well and might be one of the most popular shows in the country, it's reaching a tiny fragment of what Idol used to. And it's just less capable of making stars as a result of that. I think that makes a lot of sense. Like it's kind of like Star Search in the 80s where that was a syndicated program. There were 
famous people who were on Star Search. Like I think uh, like Sinbad, Destiny's Child, like all, like all of these acts like before they were famous were on the show. But I don't think the show was what made them famous. Like it was just one step on a very long pathway to notoriety. I think the scale aspect does make sense. I guess I, I just find it kind of a bummer because it's like, oh, there are like all of these like really talented people and it would just be nice to like see them be successful in a more noteworthy way. That was not a pun, I promise. Um, <laughs> um, where they win this competition and then just kind of f- just fade away completely. And yeah, I don't know. I guess that could also just be like, I don't know, a symptom uh, of uh, the... Uh, let's say it could just be a these modern times sort of a deal where suddenly you have so much stuff going viral that that things like a Susan Boyle don't really happen anymore mm. or, or happen much more rarely. Like, I think you have stuff like Maggie Rogers, who was like a viral video because she was at a class where Pharrell was just blown away by her music. And now she's she's released an EP. She's going on tour right now. She has her debut album dropping in January, that sort of thing. But those the stories, even those are becoming fewer and farther between. And also it's like, once you have a Susan Boyle, like America's Got Talent, sorry to keep bringing up sad memories. Yeah. In the summer, <laughs> um, like if, if they still try that every time, every year. It's like, you'll never guess that this person is an amazing singer and it just has less of an impact. Diminishing returns. Yeah. Yeah, it's exactly. And so when you overuse those things versus just saying like this person is going to sing and beautifully and here's why and we don't have to like be shocked that they don't look like our conception of a pop star. Right. And like, as the voice has gone on, it's like thrown in more stuff into the mix where it's no longer just here's this person where the judges can't see them, watch them be blown away when this person doesn't look like they expect them to. And now like now there's like all these sort of convoluted in between stages where it's like, okay, now the judges can steal. Now someone can go straight through to the final that sort of thing where it's it's also as much about the show sort of continuing to find new ways to keep viewers watching. And yeah, even those and those things like hurt character development, they don't allow you to kind of follow someone's journey. I apologize for using that word. <laughs> of well, well, no, like American reality television is is very much framed around a person's journey. And it, like just thinking about how NBC during the Olympics until they got really really heavily criticized over it like a bunch of their coverage is is in primetime was like telling the story right and even like thinking about the voice like that show goes out and i think it's no secret anymore right that it just they um, recruit people they find people who maybe had a record deal and maybe they're popular on youtube or whatever and the majority of their contestants are basically cast in the same way that america's got talent does that versus american idol really did have a true journey like Kelly Clarkson went and stood in line and yes there were a lot of intermediate steps between her standing in line at a stadium and appearing in front of the judges and there was a lot of casting and producers sort of getting in in between there and making sure that they found people with good stories and good voices and people who'd be good on television but there truly was that like I am no one standing in line and now I am everyone knows me and they have selected me as their idol versus you know i put my song on youtube a lot of people watched it now the voice wants to use me for a couple episodes and then they're just going to kick me back to youtube and that's that's the story exactly like american reality television is very much the story focused but it's also a product absolutely Mm -hmm. 
I know for some reason I keep on wanting to ask about the show The One, of which I think I watched maybe 15 seconds of like Fergie like spinning around in a circle and wait, pointing w- at things. Wait, was <laughs> that the four, do you mean? Oh, the four. The four? Yeah, that yeah, means so that's like one. the one. No, there the were one. four people involved. Yes. I remember that happening and then getting and I think it got a second season that happened very shortly after the first. I don't know. I, I watched sure. none of it. Yeah, it came out this summer. It was actually pretty decent um, in in ways, in terms of like having people singing genres that we didn't traditionally have on American Idol and The Voice, and particularly um, there were more hip hop and Latin and R&B singers, I think, than we, than we typically see. As a format, I feel like didn't pop that much. And then season one ended up with three judges at its finale because one of them um, was accused of sexual something or other misconduct, I'll say, because I don't remember the details. But yeah, and then they brought it back way too quickly because it's Fox and they're desperate. And mm-hmm. so there are still singing competition. Like the voice is still on the air. Like American Idol took a break and it came back and it it, it, it is coming back for another season, isn't it? On ABC? American Idol, yes. Yeah, definitely. And yeah. it was it was yeah. surprisingly successful. Yeah, like it, it, they, they also retooled it in, in enough of a way where it was... Like it moved away from the the very Fox. Uh, we're going to show you a bunch of people who have no business mm-hmm. being here, and also condensed itself down. So it was in like I think to a point where people were annoyed at how fast it moved. But I love that, and I'm desperately scared that ABC is going to be like, "Oh, this worked last year. Let's just make it bigger." Which is what part of what killed it on Fox was. You have 722 episodes in five months, and that's just overkill after a while. Is the singing competition format still? viable or do we think that it's going to be going away not the near future but that like the voice will be the last one standing or is is this a format that's probably just going to stick around in various kind of ebbs and flows i mean the the thing that i look for in terms of judging where reality particularly like reality talent competitions are is what is being used as the basis for the name of the talent show at the American Crossword Puzzle Tournament. Okay. <laughs> uh, it is my least favorite part of the tournament, but I have to sit through it in order to see the finals. Uh, I You can find me in the back row tweeting about how I'm tired of seeing the same five people barely change the popular songs of the day to add crossword things. But the name of that has, at least for the, the time I've been going to the tournament, which is about five, six years, has always been Crosswarders Got Talent. Mm-hmm. that has not even been updated for the voice which in fairness i would like to turn my chair around yeah <laughs> uh, but that seems to be the the peak is, is sort of the america's got talent slash the voice since the x factor did not take here and yeah i think i think mike your sort of second option is probably true that it's going to just keep coming and going and we'll see different versions of it and the voice is still dominant enough in this like low um like a low bar to cross but it still is a top 10 show both of its episodes and still the most like most popular reality show in the country as of right now at least so i think it'll 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 keep coming back and then other networks will keep trying like they're like cbs is trying a new talent competition and it's always funny to me when they sort of have singers on the talent competitions because i feel like they're rarely of the quality that would make it on other singing competitions um Mm -hmm. but they do it anyway because i think sing and like if you look at america's got talent singers nearly always make it to the end and to my great frustration are usually the very very top finalists this year was such an aberration for that and i was so thrilled that actual 
Vegas style acts that weren't singers made it that far. But in other words, I think the public has an appetite for singers, likes watching them, likes them, and will keep voting for them and, and thus keep watching them. I mean, it, you do get to experience their talent while reading Twitter or like going through your Facebook. Like you don't have to actually watch what they're doing. <laughs> so, right. yeah. Well, then that's going to do it for this episode of the Euro What. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, the Euro What podcast is hosted by Mike McComb. That's me and Ben Smith. Uh, that's me. Yep. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and special thanks to our guest uh, this week, Andy Dennert. Uh, Andy, where can folks find you online? So I'm in the usual places, Twitter, Facebook under Reality Blurred. Um, and then obviously on my website, realityblurred.com. Like you said, cover most reality shows, the stuff that interests me, news that I think is relevant or interesting. Um, so, and I, I update it pretty pretty constantly. So I will look forward to, to seeing people there. Awesome. You can find us on our website at eurowhat.com and on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at eurowhat. If you'd like to contact us by email, we can be reached at esc at whatelseison.tv. We'd love to hear your comments and questions. Uh, you can subscribe to the Euro What on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or the podcast app of your choice. We'll be back in a couple of weeks to try to make sense of what is new in Eurovision. <laughs>